0: You know, I can't tell you how many times um, I've had this same conversation and the conversation goes something like this. You know, I just like everyone else seems to get it except me. Like everyone else in worship seems to really be connecting with God apart from me. Like everyone else seems to hear God apart from me. Like everyone else seems to get this whole God thing apart from it. I can't tell you how many times I've had the same conversation with loads of different people. And that's because we all get pulled into the comparison trap. And there's an amazing verse that that David writes in what we call the Psalms. And, And maybe some of you have heard this verse in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14. For you... He says, and he's talking to God. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And what he's realizing is this God knew me before I knew me. God knew you before anyone knew you. God knew you before you knew yourself. God knew you before you came out. God knows us. And God's created us. And God wants us to know Him and to love Him and to connect with Him as we are created to be, not as somebody else is. And if you're not a Christian yet this morning, okay, this could open your mind into maybe a new way of exploring who God is. Because maybe you've got an an assumption that if you're going to become a Christian and know God and give your life to God, then you've suddenly got to become like someone you know is a Christian. And maybe that's freaking you out. Okay, and maybe you're like, well, I'm not like them. I don't do life like that. I don't think like that. But listen, you have not got to become a Christian like they are. You've got to become a follower of God or you can become a follower of God like you are, like you're meant to be. And today I want to cover two big ideas, which I normally would take a whole day to cover. All right. And I'm going to do it in 30 minutes. This is going to be more like a workshop than a preach this morning. And you're going to do a little bit work as well. Woohoo! That went down well. Okay. So there's two big ideas. The first big idea is this, and here it comes. God can use the you. He's created you to be. God can use for his glory the you that he has created you to be. You know, the world is split into two categories. Not male or female, not black or white, but basically introvert and extrovert. And interestingly enough, 45 to 50% of people on the planet, interestingly enough, are introverts. And when it comes to spiritual Christian leadership, okay, 40% around about of Christian leaders are introverts. And the reason that that's interesting is because most people think that for God to use you, especially in leadership, you've got to be gregarious, you've got to be alpha, you know, you know what that means. And you've got to love the spotlight. And yet 40% of Christian leaders are none of those things. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn to the person next to you. and Just for a few seconds, think of some words that immediately come into your mind when you think of introvert and extrovert. So when you think of an introvert or you think of an extrovert, what are some of the adjectives, okay, describing words that come into your mind? And then I'll ask you. So do you want to do that just with the person next to you for a moment? Okay. Normally, we'd take 20 minutes over that, okay? But we haven't got the time because it's not, we haven't got the whole day. We've only got 30 minutes anyway. So, what are some of the, so introvert, what were some of the things that came to mind when you thought of introvert? Quiet. quiet. Shy, classic one. Thoughtful. Somebody at the first service said boring. Can you believe that? I won't tell you who it is, okay? Because you, you, you know who she is. She's up on this stage singing and she's got a lot. No, I won't tell you that. So, so yeah, quiet, shy, thoughtful. Caring. Nice. Caring, she said. Sorry? Closed. Okay, interesting. What about extrovert? Exuberant. Loud. Confident. Life of the party. Somebody at first said annoying. <laughs> yeah, that was you. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing about introversion and extroversion, okay? The... um introversion has a bad press, largely due to Freud, okay? You know who Sigmund Freud was. Freud's theory on introversion was that introversion is basically rooted in narcissism, which is about being self-centered, okay? And actually, it's nothing to do with that. Later thinking and research kind of blew that out the water. And actually, um, later thinking and research suggests, and here it is on the screen, that actually introversion and extroversion is a continuum, and actually, you have introversion right over here, you have extroversion of it. Right Neither are right or wrong, they're just different. And actually, some people are in the middle, which is called ambivert, if you're a little bit of both. And actually, over time, you can change as well. I'll talk to you about my journey through that as well. Introversion is not a lack of confidence, and it's not shyness. If you're introverted, you're not shy. Shyness is to do with fear and social anxiety. It's not to do with introversion. That's what we automatically think. You see introversion and extroversion is predominantly determined by how we are wired. How God has created us to be. So three main areas. Number 1, where do you get your energy? Introverts get it from within, extroverts tend to get it from without. It's like an introvert you can compare to rechargeable batteries, extrovert is more like solar panel, all right? Just bang, come straight on outside. Secondly, how do you process information? Extroverts tend to talk it out, don't we? Before we've thought it out, it's out. Some of you are nodding, okay, and I'm more extrovert. Introverts tend to reflect, like someone said here, they're more thoughtful, they're more considered, okay, they take it in. Uh, The the third area is, are you drawn to breadth or depth? Extroverts tend to be uh, drawn to breadth, okay, they want more. Introverts tend to be drawn to depth. They don't want more, they want deeper. And and if you want to know whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we've produced some a uh, very simple 20 kind of question analysis thing. where there's These are on the connection point on the way out. They're also on the um, uh, website. And also, I'm sure your life group leader can get hold of you because you're going to talk about that this week. And uh, Simon and myself, we're a, a leadership training day a few months ago on this whole subject of how can God use extrovert leaders and introvert leaders. They're not right or wrong, but they're just different. And it was really liberating because me and Simon are a little bit opposite ends of the spectrum to that. But it was really helpful for us to look at that together. But what about the Bible? If all truth is the God's truth. Here's a question. Who is considered the greatest leader of all time? And it's not Donald Trump. And it's not Barack Obama before you thought I was making a political point there. The greatest leader of all time from the Bible is considered to be Moses, who led two million people out of slavery and out of Egypt and through the promised land. Here's the interesting thing. He led two million people, but Moses was reluctant to speak in public. Moses was happy behind the scenes. Moses often got burnt out by people. I want to suggest I think Moses was more introverted than what we imagine. And yet God used Moses as the greatest leader of all time to lead a nation out of slavery. That's amazing. Elijah needed six weeks on his own in solitude to recharge his batteries. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was considered harsher in writing than he was face to face. So maybe he was a little bit introverted as well and he would write very direct things in writing. But when he was face to face, the Bible records that he was considered much softer face to face than he was in writing. Jesus loved crowds, but recharged often on his own and invested deeply into a few relationships. See, what we do with this whole area, guys, is that we, we, we rule ourselves out because of the comparison trap. We say, oh, oh, I'm introvert. I can't do that. Or I'm extrovert and I can't do that. We shouldn't do that. God has created us to be who we are. But the second thing is we hide behind who we are and we use it as an excuse. That's the danger with many of these kind of things, like strength finders and that. As good as they are, the danger is that we can hide behind it. Listen, if you are an extrovert, you're gregarious and you're outgoing and you're external processing and that's great. But you're also called to love people and not ride over them. And that's going to be a challenge for you as it is a challenge for me. You're called to invest deeply into their lives as well. And if you're an introvert, you are called to confront and to challenge and to speak and to lead, even though that's going to be a challenge for how you're wired to be. And you might say, I can't do it. Yes, you can. And here's how. how. Philippians 4 verse 13. Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the first big idea is that God can use the you He has created you to be. But the second big idea, and this is going to take us a little longer, is this. That you can know God by being the you He created you to be. And I want to open up some thinking for you here. A few weeks ago I said, let's dare to be open with our thinking. Fifteen years ago I heard this teaching and it really opened me up and uh, to, to just all of this. And it completely set me free in loads of areas of my thinking. And I've been having lots of conversations with people recently. Some have coming to faith newer uh, into this whole thing. And some have been Christians a long time. And the the conversations almost end up being the same. And the conversation goes like this. I am the only one who doesn't get it. So I'm the only one. I look around on a Sunday morning and everyone seems to be worshipping and I don't get it. You know, I'm the only one who doesn't hear God speak. Everyone else seems to hear God speak. I don't. I'm the only one who, can, who, who can't seem to read the Bible. Everyone else seems to read it for hours. and I'm struggling. And I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to bring this teaching back out again. Because we're all getting caught in the comparison trap where we think we all have to be like everyone else. Listen, there is only one way to God and that's Jesus. But there's lots of ways to Jesus. And you and I are made differently and we will experience God differently. And now this is true historically. Okay, you look through church history in the Middle Ages, people the pathway that people encountered God was primarily through sacraments. And then with the Reformation, you had the the understanding of the Bible and the transformation of society. And then with people like the Anabaptists, they stressed the importance of the inner dimension uh, of the gospel of God. And then people like the Methodists, it was all about faith. And with the Pentecostals, it was all about the Holy Spirit. And they're all different pathways to experience the same God. Then you look at it through personality. You know, four basic profiles, extrovert, introvert. We've looked at that sensing or intuitive, thinking or feeling, judging or perceptive. And when we see these as combinations, we begin to understand how different we are. And things like Myers Briggs and, and, and Strength Finders and Belbin and all these different things have emerged out of that understanding. And all truth is God's truth. It's not meant to box us in, but it's meant to open us up a little bit to explore some of the dimensions of who we are. And then several years ago, a guy called Gary Thomas wrote this book called Sacred Pathways, which is a great book. And out of that, another guy called Bill Hybels, leader of a church in America, developed some teaching, which I heard 15 years ago, which really revolutionized my life at the time. And I want to pass it on again to you now. And basically um, what he did is he took that book, Sacred Pathways, and he drew out seven spiritual pathways that describe how many of us encounter God. And I'm going to go through those seven with you. And if you've got your notes and the bulletin, I want you to have a look. Because I'm going to ask you to think as I'm going through about which one most identifies you. Which one of these are you most like? Okay? Now, let me give you some caveats first. We, we don't often just have one, okay? In fact, at the end of the first service, some people came to me and said, oh, that was so good, but I found it difficult to, to, to say one because I'm two or three of those things. That's fine, okay? You're probably two or three. Maybe some of you, extrovert, you're all of them, all right? Okay, but, but you, you, some of you will be two or three. That's fine. Uh, but try and think about which is the primary one that best describes you. Secondly, we can change over time, all right? I've changed over time and I'll talk about that later. Thirdly, I cannot cover everything in one 20-minute now talk, which was supposed to be a whole hour, so give me a break. All right, I can't do it all. And number four, we aren't trying to box each other in, but to free each other up, to be the you that God has created you to be. Are you with me? So I'm going to go through each of the seven. All right, it's going to take about 15 minutes. And at the end of that, I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for everyone. And we're going to honour everyone. And we're going to release everyone. And we're going to say, we are so excited that people in this room and in this church and in our community are created different from us. Because that's what makes the picture far more exciting, far more dynamic and far more life changing. Okay, so the first one is the relational pathway. This is probably you. If um, your spiritual growth comes most naturally in significant relationships. When someone says, let's pray, your first thought is who with? Okay, your first thought isn't what to pray, it's who with. You instinctively think like that. Small groups are important to you. You find it difficult um, if others struggle to be open. Being alone drives you crazy. Solitude would be okay as long as you could bring a friend. Okay? You're that kind of person. People energize you and God speaks to you often through relationships. A biblical, biblical example of this would be Peter, who part of the inner three with Jesus. After his crucifixion, Peter doesn't go on his own. He has a fishing party with a whole load of other guys. It's his lowest moment, but he's still with people. Nearly all of the life defining moments in Peter's life occur in the context of relationships. Now, for you to strengthen who you are, you need to be in community because you need it. You need to learn with others and you need to pray with others. I remember years ago, a young fella came to me and he said, I just can't seem to get this being alone with God thing. He says, I want to go. I want to know God. And I read my Bible and it's boring and I can't understand it and I try to pray and I get distracted and I sat and looked at him and I said you you love people don't you he said yeah I do he says you're relational I said, yeah why don't you get with two or three other people and do all that you've said but do it together and he came back a few months later and he says that just completely revolutionized my life like I did the praying and I did the bible reading but we did it together and God started to speak to me through that that's because he's a relational pathway person so if that's you you need to lean into that You need to lean into that. Don't try and do it all on your own. Lean in. But a caution for you would be to guard against superficiality. Sometimes if you're relational, we'll have lots of relationships, but not deep relationships. And that's a caution. One of the ways to stretch for you will be to develop a capacity for silence and to keep something secret between you and God. Maybe study a little bit. Be intentional about going deeper with a few people. So that's the relational pathway. Secondly, the intellectual pathway. This is nothing to do with how clever you are or how academic you are. Okay, This is to do with the fact that you're a person that you're going to draw closer to God as you learn more about him. So you like to study. You like to explore. You love theology. You love to debate. You like debating, even arguing. Okay, You like to think about truth. During worship, you're often waiting for the teaching to come. And please don't sing that song again. That's kind of what's passing through some of your minds. Uh, A biblical example uh, would be the Apostle Paul, who before his conversion was a student of the Jewish law. And after he was converted, he loved to debate. And scholars believe that the Apostle Paul had one of the greatest minds that's ever walked on planet Earth. He's an intellectual person. For you to strengthen, you need to keep building into study. Expose your mind to different writers and thinkers. Find other like-minded people that you can discuss with and grapple with. But listen, a caution for you would be to make sure you don't become all head and no heart. You've got to be really careful that in your pursuit of truth, you love to be right. But right can be dangerous. A guy called um, Dallas Willard said, one of the hardest things in the world is to be right and not hurt anyone with it. And can I say... You know, the Bible doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you're always right. He doesn't say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you know more than other people. He says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. You, You see, spiritual maturity isn't about how much information you have. It's about how much of that information is transforming you. Depth isn't about how much knowledge you know. It's how deep you go in the things of God. And we need to be careful that in our intellectual pursuit of God, which is absolutely right, that we don't become all head and no heart. A way for you to stretch is to devote yourself to corporate worship and prayer and assess how loving you're becoming as you grow in knowledge. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So that's relational intellectuals. Turn to the person next to you and say, they haven't got me yet. Hasn't got me yet. I ain't there yet. Okay, or maybe you are. Maybe you are. Number three, number three, the service pathway. This is you if you find God most tangible when you're helping others. You're often uncomfortable when you're not doing anything. You just love to do. You love to serve. The obvious example in history will be someone like Mother Teresa. But in the Bible, Dorcas was a lady in the book of Acts who loved to serve and to do good deeds. So for you to strengthen that pathway, you've got to get plugged in. You've got to find ways to consistently serve. Don't just dip in and out. Find ways to consistently serve. And as you serve, look for glimpses of God, not only with the people that you serve with, but the people that you serve. Mother Teresa used to say that in the, in the eyes and the faces of the, of the poor on the streets of Calcutta, she met Christ. She saw Christ in the midst of the poverty and the deprivation that was there on the streets. A caution for you would be careful not to resent others who don't serve as much as you do. And also remember, God loves you not because you serve, but because you are you. And God doesn't love you any more or any less if you never serve again. You need to know that. One of the ways you can stretch is to balance serving with relational life, with community life. And here's a big one. You've got to learn to receive as well as to give. That's, that's going to be a stretch for you. Many people, okay, I haven't got any problem in learning to receive. Maybe their challenge is learning to give. But for you guys, you need to learn to receive as well as to give. Okay, number four, the worship pathway. This is probably you if you love singing and celebration. In difficult moments of life, often songs will help get you through. When you sing at church, it's never long enough. You always want to sing it again. Even after the 15th time, you always want it to go more. Uh, you may not be expressive, you may not be extrovert, but you come alive through music and through praise and through worship. Biblical example, the obvious one, is King David. To strengthen this, you need to experience worship on a regular basis, not just corporately, but on your own as well. Maybe find ways to, to put worship music into your car or, or into your ears if you, if you go to the gym or if you're walking or whatever. And, you know, j- just find ways to, to, to draw on that. And can I say... Experiment with a few different forms of worship as well. There is more to worship than Hillsong, Bethel and Worship Central. There really is, honestly. I know that's a revelation for some of you, but there is. And you can stretch. A caution for you is to be careful not to judge others who are not as expressive as you. So can I just say, in this church, you know, we, many, many people raise their hands to worship God. That's biblical. It says lifting up our hands to worship God. It's also a sign of surrender. It's also a sign. I mean, you see it in football matches and you see it at stadiums. People are kind of lifting their arms up because they're saying, that you guys, we, we support you. We're with you. We think you're great. So there's something in this. But if you don't raise your hands, it doesn't mean you don't worship God. Don't ever get lulled into the comparison trap, okay? Be yourself. If you want to do that, go for it. If you don't, it's fine. It's perfectly okay. One of the dangers for us, if you're in the worship pathway, is also to guard against experience-based Christianity, where you live for the next high. You see, that's such a lot in youth culture these days, where we look for the next worship high. A guy called Meister Eckhart, he said this, The danger in finding a way to God is that people grow to love the way more than they love God. And can I just say to those of you that are in the worship pathway, there's a danger that you can end up worshipping worship rather than worshipping God. And so it's the next great big worship event. It's the next great big sound. It's the next great big light and music show. Brilliant though all that is. That's not worship. That's music. And you're in danger and I'm in danger of worshipping worship rather than worshipping God. That's a real danger. A way for you to stretch would be to study from time to time. To get some foundation into your life. You know, to stretch your mind as well as your heart. Be rooted and grounded. Serve in practical ways. Don't become a worship consumer. Okay, number five, and this is the one that best describes me. Uh, This is the activist pathway. This is probably you if you're often single-minded with a strong sense of vision. You have a passion to do things for God. Uh, Challenges inspire you and at times energize you. You love realizing potential in you and in others. You love fast-paced adrenaline, complexity, and solving problems. And some of you are already wanting to put your head in the oven, okay? But but for some of you, you're becoming alive because you're thinking, that's me, that's who I am. And when you are like that, you connect with God and you're never more like connecting with God when you're on your knees and you're on your knees because there's a really big challenge and you need to see a breakthrough and there's adrenaline pumping through your body and you come alive. Anyone know what I'm talking about? That's me. In the Bible, one of the characters would be Nehemiah, who Jane looked at so well last week, that leader who inspired a nation to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. For you to strengthen, you've got to get moving or you're going to get frustrated. You've got to get moving or you'll get frustrated. It was great on Wednesday night, seeing a whole group of people here um, who are contemplating and praying about being involved with our launch team for our first multi-site. We're going multi-site as a church next year. So we're starting a new church location in Hagley around Easter time. There's about 40 or 50 people here on Wednesday. And you just detect in the room that some of these people are like, I want to get going. You know, I want to come alive because there's a bit of adrenaline going. And that's how God has made them to be. Find a team to invest in and believe for big goals. A caution for you. You've got to be aware that at times you may run over people in your pursuit. You may run over people in your passion, even for good and godly things. And that's a caution. The other thing is you've got to guard against going too long without pausing to reflect. One of the dangers for people like with my temperament and personality is that it can all be about the future and all be about tomorrow. And you've got to pause and reflect on what is going on on the inside, not just on the outside. And it's like um, those gauges on your dashboard of your car, you know, that, that, that if they're flashing, you've got to look at them. But sometimes we're so focused, we can't even see the flashing. The oil needs changing and the petrol is about to disappear. And so if you're like that, make sure that you're having all those kind of moments Ways to stretch for you will be to create balance by finding times for solitude. Remember, some, when I uh, discovered this teaching 15 years ago, I hated the thought of going out, on, being on my own in solitude. I just—it was like the worst thing imaginable. But I thought, you know what? I've got to stretch who I am. And so I found an abbey uh, down in Worcester called Stambrook Abbey. And for many years, I took a day a month and would go down to the abbey and spend a whole day in solitude. It was run by some nuns. So occasionally uh, I'd meet with one of the nuns and she'd ask me some in- in- insightful questions about my life. And, and again, and sometimes I'd go to their service and it was all in Latin. And I'd just sit there and let the Latin happen. And, and so all this kind of quiet, reflective stuff, which is really not me. But I learned to grow in that and I learned to appreciate a different tradition. And I learned to quieten down and to reflect. And unfortunately, the nuns, the nuns have all cleared off to the north of the country now, so that abbey shut down. But if you are like me, you need to stretch by leaning into some solitude. The other thing you need to do is to develop close friendships who can speak into your life. Just in September, I was away for four days with, with a load of other guys. We've been walking together, uh, from different leaders from different churches around the area. We've been walking together for over 10 years. Meeting together every month and going on a retreat once a year. So we've grown to, to love each other and to support each other. And in that environment, to, to ask some difficult questions. How's your marriage? How's your sex life? How's your financial life? You know, How's your inside life? How's your emotions? What's your fears? And to ask each other those questions, it's so important in order to stretch who you are as a person. Okay, number six. Are you still with me? Yeah, brilliant. Both of you. Thank you. Number six, the contemplative pathway. This is at the other end of the spectrum. And this is why God is so great, because I'm the activist and my wife, Alison, is more the contemplative. So I'm extrovert and she's introvert. And that's balance as well as a frustration at times. Then there's also a balance. This is probably you if you love uninterrupted time alone. Reflection comes naturally to you. The presence of God is most real when you're on your own. You've large capacity for prayer. If you get busy or spend lots of time with people, you get drained. It's not that you don't love people, but when you spend lots of time in the same space with lots of people, you get drained. Let me give you an example of this. Um, In the summer, as many of you know us, Turned 50 and we had had some conversation in our house, me and my wife, about what we're going to do for my 50th. The the options were a big present, a big holiday or a big party. It's all got to be big with me in that sense. Uh, And we went for a a big holiday. So we had a big holiday. But just before we went on holiday, I said, oh, maybe we'll have a few people around the house. Just around the house, just like a, a drop in type thing. Just a few people. And Alan says, well, that's okay. If it's just a few, that's fine. So we booked the date and then I invited people. And then she said to me a few weeks later, a few days later, how many are coming? And I, I said, I don't know. Let me check 130. <laughs> there was an interesting conversation after that in our house. Can I just say that? Now, my wife was great and, she, and, and Josh, and my son, is very similar as well. After three hours of 130 people coming to the house, I was loving it and was buzzing. I found Alison and Josh in the kitchen banging their head against the wall. Do you know what I mean? Make it stop. Make the people go away. It's not because they don't love people, but so many people in such a short space of time. You need some solitude so that you can re-energize yourself. A biblical example is Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. You remember why a sister Martha was in the kitchen stacking the dishwasher? Do you know, and you've, Have you ever done that? If you're that way wired, if you're the service kind of person you know, and nobody else is helping, you're you're banging really loud, you're banging the cupboards, anyone ever done that? Banging the dishwasher, banging the plates, you're making a point. And Mary's contemplating at the feet of Jesus. But that's because we're wired differently. And if that's you guys, you need to give yourself permission to be who you are and don't criticize yourself for being what you're not. Don't get drawn into the comparison trap. But the caution is, you can have a tendency to avoid the demands of the real world because they don't live up to your ideals. You've got to be careful not to retreat into the inner world when you're disappointed with people. A way to stretch would be to choose a regular place to serve so you're engaging with people. James says we prove our faith by what we do, not by what we say. Stay relationally connected. You know, one of the things that, that, that I've done this year is I've asked a lot of people who are who are that way wired and who are prayer people if they would pray for me personally. And so I send them emails and I, and I, and I share a lot of stuff that I wouldn't normally share because I value that. So I'm teaming up who I am with people who are wired differently. And if you're a contemplative person, maybe you look for some activist type people that you could support and that you could team up with, because that's going to bring energy to you and value to them as well. OK, Final one, number seven, is the creation pathway. Now, this is probably you. If you respond to God most deeply when you're outside. So nature energizes you and it replenishes you. You're aware of your senses. Often art, symbols enrich you. You appreciate creativity, even if you're not creative yourself. Many years ago, uh, I went away on this retreat with a whole load of other guys and girls. We were all Uh, At the time, this is a long time ago. We were all young leaders. Apparently, it was a young leaders retreat, and we were in our twenties or early thirties. And I would say nearly everybody in that group—they're all quite extrovert, quite Type A, quite that kind of way wired. And we went out. We went on this retreat, and this guy, this older guy, got us outside for a whole afternoon. Sat down on on the top of a cliff, looking out over a valley at, at some trees the other side. And he got us for half a day just to do nothing but look at nature. I wanted to shoot myself. Especially when he said, Now, what color can you see over there? And we'd all say, Green. He said, Yeah, yeah. But how many kinds of green? How many shapes? I'm oh, seriously, you want us to count how many oh, I wanted to kill myself, okay? But some of you are coming alive when you're even thinking about that. And then the next day, we said, he said, Right, now I'm going to take half a day and you're going to go on your own, just with your Bible and a notebook, and you're going to read this little passage of scripture for four hours and just let God speak to you. And so I remember going down to to the beach, down this cliff to the beach thing. And I'm trying to do it. And I look down the headland and I see a friend of mine who's also doing the same thing. He was on his mobile phone out there. (laughs) See, because for us, it was so hard to do that, to slow down and to appreciate nature. But for some of you in this room, you're thinking, why are you like that? You come alive when you think about creation. That's because that's how God has wired you to be. You come alive to God when you're in God's creation. And I was thinking about, who's who's a Bible example of this? And if this is you, you've hit the jackpot. Jesus. Yep, I'm most like Jesus. Now, Jesus has got all these pathways. All these pathways of Jesus. But actually, it seems from the Bible that he had a special connection with his creation. After all, he created it. And it seems that he often withdrew and went to mountains and and, and down to rivers and to seas. And he drew references from creation. So for you to strengthen, you've got to get outside as much as possible. You've got to pray as you walk. you don't have to sit down to do a quiet time. You know that, don't you? You don't have to sit down to study the Bible. You don't have to sit down to pray. You can pray as you walk. You can pray as you watch. You can pray as you fish. You can pray as you interact in creation. That's when you're going to come alive. But a caution for you is that you can sometimes use nature as an escape rather than engage. You find people disappointing. You've got to guard against the temptation to avoid church because you think that nature is enough. Who needs church? I can worship God in his creation. Don't forget the centerpiece of God's creation is not a mountain, not a river, not a tree, but a person. The centerpiece of God's creation is always people. So don't avoid church because of creation. Because you're meant to engage with the centerpiece of God's creation. A way for you to stretch would be to stay involved in a regular worshiping community. Be prepared and willing to serve in less than beautiful surroundings. And take the Bible with you into nature as you connect with God. I'm going to ask Sean just to come back for a moment. So what I want you to do, guys, I want you to have a look at those seven pathways, okay? And I want you to think now for a moment about which one of those best describes you. Now maybe you've got two or even three that you can't choose from. So just hold with those. Because in a moment, I'm going to ask you to let us know which one that that best describes you. Because we want to honour you and we want to thank God for you. Because you've got a piece of the puzzle that we ain't got. And that's what makes this such an engaging thing, this thing that we call the church. So before I do that, I just want to suggest three ways that you can that you can apply this. So what do you do with all this information? How do we dare to be you? How do, how do I, what do I do with this? Firstly, lean in. When you identify your pathway, lean in. So for me, it's the activist pathway. If I've not got a big challenge before me, I'm growing cold. I've got to lean in because that's how God has created me to be. Secondly, learn from others. Be willing to add to your faith Who you are. Paul says that in Timothy. Add to your faith gentleness. Add to your faith self-control. So if you're an activist person like me, I've got to add some silence. I've got to add some deep relationships. I've got to add those things to me. And thirdly, honour everyone. Others' pathways that are different from yours. The beauty of the church is the fact that we're all different, but it's like we all get a little piece of the puzzle and when we bring it together, the picture is far more beautiful and powerful. So, which one? are you most like so just take a moment just have a little look now if there's two or three and you can't decide I want you to respond to all of them all of those ones okay but if any of you get up for all seven alright then there's another pathway that describes you and it's not on that list <laughs> so if you are the relational pathway if you most come alive spiritually when you're with other people I'd love you to stand for a moment great stuff great. Guys, everyone else, these people are amazing, aren't they? We, we can't do what these people do. We, we get burnt out by people much, much quicker. But guys, we need you in the body of Christ. We need you in the church to be you. We don't need you to be anybody else. I said at the first service, I honour God when I'm me, not when I try to be Simon. And Simon honours God when he's him and when he doesn't try to be me. And we need you to be you. So I want to pray for you right now. Father, we want to thank you for these amazing people who love people, who come alive around other people. God, would you, would you set them free from the comparison trap of feeling that they need to be like somebody else? And God, would you, would you energise them as they get around people? But God, at times, God, God maybe at times, Lord, would you, would you just remind them that, that you love them as well? That actually at times they can be silent. At times they can go a little deeper than what they think. And God, would you bless them and would you honour them and God, would you encourage them as they model and encourage so much into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Intellectual pathway. That engage with God through intellect. Yeah, this is always the one where people are looking around like that, okay? Fantastic. Father, we thank you for these people, God. God, we look at them and we can't work them out sometimes. We really can't. But God, they love you with all of their mind. Jesus, you said that that's so important. And God, we thank you for who they are. And God, we need them. Because we need them to grapple with things that we can't grapple with. We need them to help us with concepts that we don't understand. So God, would you bless them in their pursuit of you. But God, in their pursuit of you, would you also remind them, that they're not just called to grow in knowledge, but they're called to grow in love. And God, as they grow in knowledge, knowledge, help them, Lord, not always to feel that they have to be right, but actually to always know that they have to be loving. So God, as they grow in knowledge, help them to grow in love, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. The service pathway. Those of you that come alive when you're serving. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wow. And to me, that's an indicator of the heart of our church as well. So many people want to serve. It's amazing. So Father, we thank you for all of these folks, God, who love serving you. And God, you said that you came to the earth not to be served, but to serve. And so God, they're reflecting a dynamic of who you are when they serve. So God bless them in that. Help them come alive when they serve you. But God, help them to remember that you don't love them anymore because they're serving. And you couldn't love them any less. And also help them to know that they can receive as well as give. Just believe that that's a word for some of you right now. Just, Just let me pause on that. You can receive as well as give. It's not a crime. It's not a sin. It's not a weakness. It's a blessing to receive as well as to give. So, Father, help them and thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship pathway. If you'd like to stand and raise your arms. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. You don't have to do that. In fact, if you'd like to dance. No. Father, we thank you for these folks. God, they come alive when they worship you. God, you stir something up deep in their heart and in their soul. God, we thank you. God, we get inspired when we see them worshipping And it reminds us that we can worship as well. We might not be or look like them, but God, you inspire us through them and we thank you for them. God, as they worship you, as they lean into that, God, may they never worship the path of worship. May they always worship the God. May they worship you, God. And I pray that you'd open up new ways, that they wouldn't get stuck in ruts. Uh, But God, that you'd always take them beyond that. I pray that their worship life would grow and increase as they get to know you through this amazing pathway. In Jesus' name. Amen. And number five, thank you guys, is the activist pathway. Anyone want to stand with me on that? A few of you? Okay. (laughs) Father, we thank you for these guys and girls who are standing. God, they want to do something. They love goals. They love the pace. They love the adrenaline. God, I pray, God, that you'd release them into something great for you. God, I pray that they take that energy that you've given them and they do something good for it that, that, that isn't just about them, but actually is about others and primarily is about you. God, let there be some Nehemiahs here in this group that will rebuild the walls. Let them be some uh, knowers that can build an ark when everyone thinks they're crazy. But God, in their pursuit of passion, God, help them to be aware of people. Help them to be aware of people. Help to slow them down at times and help them to grow in every aspect of their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Number six, the contemplative pathway. Fantastic. Guys, brilliant. Guys, Father, we thank you. God, in a world that exhorts noise, that says the louder the better that says we want you on the stage, that says that we want you in front of the lights. God, thank you that these people are modelling something so different to that. And God, we need that in our world and we need that in our church. And God, we thank you for these folks. God, in their moments of solitude with you, would you be so real to them? And God, what you do in their life, in those moments of solitude, something's going to come out of that that we're going to need. So God, we want to say we're ready, we're open. We're open, God, for what they bring to us out of the secret place when they connect with you. God, would you encourage them and would you develop them, help them lean into who they are, and help them, God, to set them free from the comparison trap that says that they're not loud enough, that they're not out enough, that they're not public enough. God, would you set them free to be who they really are? In Jesus' name. And finally, thank you, guys. Number seven, the creation pathway yep they're all up clenched no one's here at the church at the moment fantastic God we thank you for these folks that come alive in your creation God I want to pray that as they do that and as they enter into that and as they lean into that God I pray that you would show them that you're not just the creative God who has created but you are the creator God you are creating now God I want to pray that as they step into creation and as they push into you through that God would you give them new ideas would you give them new dimensions would you show them and teach them new things because you are always creating but God I pray that in their disappointment and their discouragement they wouldn't retreat into creation but they'd engage with you and they'd engage with their world and that they would never forget that the centrepiece of creation is always people So, Father, help them and we thank you for them and we honour them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand for a moment? I want to pray for all of you as we finish. We're not going to sing this morning. Sorry for the Worship Pathway people. You're gutted about that. We're not going to sing. We're going to look at a little bit of Greek. No, we're not going to do that neither for the intellectuals. We're just going to pray and I'm going to shut up. Okay, we're finished now. Isn't it brilliant how different we are? Isn't that amazing? So I want to dare you this morning to be you and I want to dare you to be the you that God created you to be not that you're the finished article not that you can't change because you can but I want to dare you to be the you that God created you to be because if you are God will use the you he created you to be and you can know God through the you that God created you to be and that's what our world is looking for people who know who they are who know their God And the Bible says, who do exploits? Not as someone else, not as a copy, not as an echo, not as a cheap imitation, but as a genuine, unique article that God created. Before you knew you, He knew you. It's amazing, isn't it? Father, thank you that you are such a unique and an amazing God. And Lord, I pray that God, as as we go now this morning, God, send us out to be ourselves filled with the power of the Spirit. And God, you will use us and we can connect with you in a way that you created us to be. So God, just set us free to just to be a better version of ourselves that you already created by the power of your spirit at work within us. And God, I pray that whoever we come into contact with this week, may we be a reflection of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.